0: That's the question. So what if we do change? What do we change? What's the least amount of change we can have that'll have the largest impact? And so in my mind, what your next step needs to be is.
1: You've heard us say it a million times. The fortune is in the follow up, right? People say, Craig, the leads are weak. The leads are not weak. <laughs> Yeah. Leads are not weak. You're weak. Yeah. Now, welcome back to the show, Heads Up Advisor. Here, another Thursday, bringing it to you. We're going to talk a little bit about the follow up. I should say not the follow up, redigging up those old leads. Craig, you remember that picture I had when I was cleaning out the Jersey office? I had stacks of the red folders. Those were yeah. all prospect meetings, right? I I kept them all. Well. I shouldn't say I kept them off. It was garbage. I just completely ripped it up when I got back. Um, there was a few times where where you had appointments. I mean, we had so many appointments that mm. I got back to people that were losers again. I'm like, I got there to even recognize it, get in the meeting, start talking to the guy, I go, I was here before. Uh. I was here before you were losers and you're still a losing wow. opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we would rip them up, but again. I wasn't using a CRM and things like that, which sure. I should have been using right like we use now yeah um, but that's what we're gonna talk a little about. get yourself organized see if those uh year two year three opportunities that sometimes take two or three years to close are they still there? are they on the books? are they worth talking yeah to?
0: yeah, we've talked about it so many times, John, you know uh how is a prospect gonna remember who you are if you you know you drip on them? You see them once, you send them a follow-up email, and then, you know, basically by not staying in touch with them, you tell them to forget who I am and lose my number. So it's really just a war of attrition. So you can pretty much count on, John, you can disagree or agree, but you can bet that your competition isn't following up. So while there may have been a bake-off and, you know, what they did 75 80% of the time, they stayed with the incumbent. You can know that no one else is following up. And what's that take? There's so much constant change in the marketplace and the economy with interest rates and inflation rates. And you can always find something to communicate with the prospect about to stay in front of them, not to mention all of the things going on in their own industry or their own company that's on Google, that's in the media, et cetera, et cetera. So if you just, have pig-headed discipline, like Chet Holmes used to say, God rest his soul, that uh, you will be the only one standing. So they're going to think of, hey, who's up? Hey, oh, the health insurance thing, it's coming up like in the next 90 days, 120 days. And now they're thinking about it. And so it's getting onto their list of to-dos. Now it's at the top of the list, but it's on the list. And who else are they going to remember but the incumbent? Well, the only other person that stayed in contact with them by maybe sending them eight, 10, 15 different outreaches and informative pieces Nothing solicitous, just information and education and boom, you can bring the dead back to life.
1: Yeah, that was a mistake that I made. I was, I didn't forget to follow up with them, but I wasn't dripping on them. We weren't doing the emails. I mean, you should, could do a con, you should do something once a month. God, you know, once a quarter at least, but once a month is, you know, better. I don't think you're going to lose people the emails once a month that are your prospects, but keep them top of mind. So when you do reach out, they go, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Come on in. Right. Because yeah. sometimes you're just not ready. We talk about that 3% of buyers are ready to buy. Now that that includes people changing a broker. Right. And so the more they get to know, like, and trust you when you validate that you're an expert, well, when the time comes, what are they going to do? They're going to search their email and try to find you. If you don't have anything, any follow ups in their emails. Yeah. What
0: What was that guy's name? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all, oh oh, it's company. I remember the company. Yeah. Yeah, it's Virtue. Okay, yeah. Yeah. They're going to remember something.
1: Yeah. Um, but keeping a CRM, I think uh a minimum standard there's so many out there, just pick one. I yeah. mean, every prospect, you can put them in a pipeline. We have it, you know, when they become an opportunity, when they're qualified, you get them through a quoting, you present to them, hotly lead, cold lead, so on and so forth. Okay. Uh, you didn't get them this year. Or are we going to put them in the batch next year? Then I put them on the Glengarry list, right? So I take <laughs> the ones that we didn't get. Yeah. But there was, you know, hey, look, this this one may be next year. So I'll go to the month, I'll put them in there, I'll put exactly what happened, and I'll detail it exactly as to why we didn't get them or got them or why we could probably get them next year, right? I mean, and then you wake up at you know, you wake up for that month, 90 days out and you got a whole list of call. We used to have, you know, thousand plus qualified leads to to talk to at renewal time. And so every month he woke up, there yeah. was a whole list of book appointments with my telemarketer on top of, so he'd call for new leads in the, in the morning cold list, find out when the renewals was. And then in the afternoon he would call the warm list that he had already pre talked to, got the name, got the renewal date, uh, I think it's just a matter of being organized and it it can pay dividends. I made the mistake of not having emails then.
0: Yeah, I mean, you and I, we've known each other, you know, five years-ish. And you know, I have a very long sales cycle in the large and jumbo case market. I routinely am rewarded four years after the initial sales pitch. Five years. We just did one. I looked up the notes and my old buddy, Jerry Call, had copious notes from 2016 on pitching this particular employer, and we're writing them effective 1123. So, you know how big is ne- the group? Never they say grew. die. That's you know, five thousand on medical. Probably ten thousand members.
1: Yeah, some some things take time. Um yeah. keeping keeping in the CRM and the notes, always important. You know, I got new business development rep here, and I'm like, look, whenever whatever they say bullet note, bullet note, whatever they're blabbing, just put in there. It's all beneficial when I get on a demo with somebody to know these things for conversations or routes to go or what not to go. Um, you know, you can score them too. Uh, I put, you know, qualified lead. I put hot qualified lead that may have more opportunity. Right. So you can also score them that way if you want to go see them again next year. But that, that whole folder there, Right, I used to used to go in in person, so I would have everything printed out as well, because you know I want to run through it in the meeting, prepare before I get out of the car. Company info, uh, the team, the executive team, news, you know, all the stuff. Their LinkedIn profiles, college, anything that I could think of, I had it in that folder. And so when I go to it next year, I can kind of just go back to it and look. Okay, here's the eight ones let's take a look, let's let's run through them, call this guy, call this guy, call this guy, uh, call this guy, ask this guy this, right? Because I could see through the notes yeah. what happened last year um, and kind of go from there.
0: If we watch any kind of movie on the preparation of uh, the dossier of a guy that's going to be killed in the movie, right? So what do they do? What do they give the hitman? They give him this folder and in the folder is like, everything you could want to know about this person. And so that's what you just described to me, John, is, you know, you you build up this dossier on the prospect on everything you can use as a potential wedge to have a disturbing differentiated conversation with them about why they need to look to you as their consultant and not the tired old story that they've been getting or the lack of, this is what I enter more than anything. It's like, They haven't changed anything in years. I I just ran into a very, very large group who had the strangest rate calculations I've ever seen. I said, So actuarially, you know, it's much more typical if you establish the rate for the employee at 1.0, then the children rate would be 1.9. The spouse rate would probably be 2.1 of the employee rate, and the family rate, 3.3. And this group had two tier rates at like one and 1.5. So they had been forcing the employee population to subsidize dependents. I don't know why, but for a long, long time. And so when I shared that with the person, which, you know, of course has nothing to do with what I do. I just was pointing out that that was really unusual based on my 35 years experience. And so this afternoon I had a phone call with him and he said, Oh, by the way, confidentially, we're, uh, we're modifying those rates to be more reflective of typical pricing. So thanks for that. I was like, Oh, wow. That's interesting. So, you know, that's usually the story is that the, whoever's the incumbent just kind of fell asleep at the wheel and hasn't really kept him current. So lots of opportunity, right?
1: A lot of people fall asleep at the wheel, especially in the summertime, but now's the time to get that information out and start going through those leads. Fourth quarter's coming get ahead of the game especially the bigger groups they're going to make decisions early they're going to look into things a lot earlier than the uh smaller groups you know have a preliminary meeting with them have a have a phone call at least with them give them a buzz have a quick call get some inside information you know yeah how hard is that
0: <laughs> it's just it's not right
1: no just got to do it yeah you're in sales that requires you to sell and uh nothing follow yeah. up on insurance
0: your has to be sold it is not bought
1: it's not important to be at every conference and, it's not uh, like every when you went to go
0: buy your timepiece you were buying a timepiece nobody had to sell you on it okay unfortunately insurance doesn't work that way right
1: that's true that is true what do we got here well, if you're calling in from let us know where you're calling in from let us know what you're doing to revive some of your leads. Maybe you're sending them a book. Maybe you're sending them packages. I know a guy that used to just go hand deliver books every quarter. Uh, great prospector. Didn't know shit about benefits, but <laughs> phenomenal prospector. just business development. Yeah. You know,
0: I know everybody thinks we're crazy. John, when we tell them like, you don't need to know that much about benefits to sell benefits,
1: get them there, You'd get them there to a dinner, a steak dinner, you know, three or four big groups, you know, get the TPA, whoever to present. I mean, that's what he used to yeah. do. And uh, God, the guy used to get groups and I'm just like, you have no business having this account. I would no argue, business.
0: I have seen, and you know some of them, right? I, I have seen some some brokers who are just, just nice people, great conversationalists, you know, very friendly. They don't know Bufkus. And they've got gigantic books of business. And their client doesn't care that they don't answer every question. They just feel like he or she's going to take care of them and they trust that. And so this product knowledge thing is way overrated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to know everything. Joyce Shell says timepiece. Yeah. Timepiece. It's a watch. <laughs> Um, What else we got today, Craig?
0: Well, hey, you know, here's one. You know, Margo, when you're watching the video, this is the moment, okay? So, honestly, I think VPs of HR, VPs of benefits, VPs of comp and benefits, VPs of total rewards, VPs of finance, CFOs, CHROs, this message goes out to you. The industry is lacking leadership right now. Now, leadership can be defined a lot of different ways as it pertains to how you're going to influence, manage, and control healthcare claims for your self-funded healthcare budget. There's some pretty obvious things going on right now and I talk to people and they don't, they're not even looking at it. So I just wrote down some notes on what I thought leadership was. And one of the things is you have to look for signals. Signals like the government publishing 8.6% as the inflation rate, knowing that that's probably a load of hooey for your workers. It's, you know, all this stuff always goes back to compared to what and so what. So what's the impact going to be? I'm a leader of thousands of employees, hundreds of employees, dozens of employees at my organization. And they look to me to take care of them. I'm a guardian. I'm a leader. And so, what am I doing to help these people? Well, you need to look for signals. You need to look forward. You need to anticipate what's going on. So, when the government publishes an 8.6% inflation rate, and it's probably not going down, June will likely be the same once it's published, I think next week, the 13th. Uh, What's that mean? Well, If you've had a lot of experience or have read, the healthcare inflation rate is normally two times or more of the published consumer price index inflation rate. What does that mean? Well, that means that you can expect double digit rate increases. And so now, because you know, you remember from high school math, the rule is 72. You take that 72, you divide it by the interest rate and it tells you how long it takes for your money to double. Well, when you take the rate of inflation on your medical plan, let's say it's 12% on the low end over the next couple of years, likely, and you divide that into 72, then every six years your healthcare budget's going to double. Now let's face it, since the Affordable Care Act passed, you have likely steered since 52% of working Americans are now in high deductible health plans you probably already used that bullet. You've probably already cost shifted premium contributions onto the workforce. So that one's done too. The employees are kind of up to their neck in cost shifting, higher deductibles, high deductible health plan, et cetera, et cetera. And so you're, you should be sitting around thinking to yourself, if I look for signals and I look forward and anticipate what's the impact of this government inflation rate, then I need to be doing the next step, and that is how do I future pace the conversation? Either internally, I socialize it internally with my direct report. If you're in HR, that's likely finance. And you talk about the fact that, you know, we have a million-dollar budget, a $10 million budget, $50 million, $100 million budget, and it's very possible it could double in the next six years. Okay, that should be discomforting for everybody watching this video. And so it could be faster than that because it could be higher than 12% when the published inflation rate is 8.6 with no end in sight. So we future pace the conversation we say so what if we don't change? What what are going to be the consequences of not changing? What can we I mean is there a high performance network left that we can possibly use? Is there some sort of capitation model that they didn't come up with in the 90s that's suddenly going to come back in style? Can we just reference-based pricey everybody and push them into something and hope the hospital doesn't balance us? You know, what is out there, right? Can we, can we run everybody through, you know, primary care and, and, you know, hopefully prevent Armageddon? Eh. So that's the question. So what if we do change? What do we change? What's the least amount of change we can have that'll have the largest impact? And so, in my mind, what your next step needs to be is you have to look at the the order of consequences. What's the first-order consequence of your rates going up by double digits? Hmm. What's the second-order consequence, the third-order consequence? Let me run through you a simple example. If the inflation rate is published at 8.6, now let's be honest. If you look up the Bureau of Labor Statistics... We have an employee that used to work for them, so we're very familiar with what the BLS does. They go out and they survey employers every single month on what their expenses are for everything. So the Bureau of Labor Statistics says, oh, man, gasoline prices, depending on your state, 100% increase from last year to this year. Eggs, 37%. Utility prices, 80%, 200%. If it hasn't been 200%, just wait. Natural gas is heating a lot of Americans' homes. It's summertime. Utilization is low. Hmm. What happens in the winter when things get cold and people are staying inside? The gas demand is going to go up. Well, natural gas is under intense pressures. Global wars. Europe's getting cut off by the Russians. We don't have enough facilities to export it to them. We had a fire in Texas and one of our biggest natural gas plants that's delaying the ability to you know, produce it and transfer it around the country. So, I mean, there's nothing but problems coming ahead. So, utilities, rent, gasoline, those are things all of your employees have to spend money on, and it's a lot more than an 8.6% rate increase. Hmm, what was the percentage pay increase last year? According to everything published, 3 to 5% for a typical employer, that was their pay increase. Gee, did you have to increase health care premium contributions to the workforce? You know, the Commonwealth Fund studied a couple of years ago said 78% of surveyed working Americans cost shift where they worked. In other words, the premium contributions charged to them exceeded their pay increase, so they're actually working for less money than they did five years ago. So... Maybe you got lucky. You didn't have to cost shift last year, but over the next couple of years, oh, you're definitely going to cost shift because you've already shot the bullets in the past, high deductible, high performance network, higher contributions, higher deductibles. You're staring down a barrel and you have very few choices. Okay. Adding the diabetes bolt-on program, it's not going to save you. Adding another wellness program that can't prove any kind of measurable ROI, it's not going to save you. And so what are the consequences of that? Hmm. So published two weeks ago, hospitals are demanding higher reimbursements. You know, the inflation affects hospitals too. Hospitals are 30% of their typical claims, 20 to 30% of your aggregate claims. The ambulatory surgical center, which now the hospitals own a lot of, that's another 20 to 30%. So it's around half of your claims are inpatient and outpatient. Inflation affects them. So when their costs are going up, oh, no, by the way, COVID. COVID caused 20% of the healthcare industry to quit. The rate of contract labor has gone up 500% in the last two years. Hospitals' profit margins for the first five months of this year were negative. Labor costs are eating them. Inflation costs are shrinking their margins. They are demanding higher reimbursements from... Wait for it. The insurance companies. And who do the insurance companies pass on their costs to? Commercial employers in the form of premiums. So we've started with, hey, the government says it's 8.6. Uh, okay. But when you start to connect the dots, like a, it's like a domino. You start to click off the dominoes and you go, well, the first order consequence is ah, it's going to put some pressure on my employees. Hmm. Second order consequence is going to be when it puts problems onto my employees, what's that do to my company ultimately? If I can't control my health care costs, I've got to increase premium contributions. So on top of their rent, their utilities and their gasoline, already consuming their pay increase, now the premium contributions are just going to make it worse so that while we're well-intentioned, we have all these great things about our values and our missions, statements. Our employees a portion of them suffer the indignity of not being able to afford to use their health plan. So what does that happen to you in human resources? I just want you to ask this question to yourself. If all of these things are going on with your workforce and if they're not today, we're months away from it, but it's going to happen. It is inevitable. It's undeniable. What happens to turnover when your healthcare is not a competitive advantage and your employees are working for less money than they did before what happens to the great resignation? Is it just going to keep going on as more and more employees continue to look for a better deal? And if turnover's increasing, that makes it really hard to retain your key talent, makes it really expensive to bring in new hires because, heck, you got to throw money at them because, you know, you got the same lousy high deductible medical plan that everybody else does. And it's not like they can talk to an employee and they go, oh, yeah, you know, this is great. We haven't had a rate increase in five years. You know, that becomes problematic, and ultimately this leads to, how do you feel about your job security now that inflation is where it is at? Well, if you start to look down the road, one year, two year, three years, I think those are questions that are reasonable to ask. And so that's my story for our audience tonight.
1: There you go. I forgot what I was going to say now. Beer's cheaper than gas right now. Drink up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if only you could I, put it in your car
1: uh, i was officially so bored yesterday i decided to go play poker first time and god knows how long it was uh i couldn't
0: believe when you sent me that picture i'm like what are you it's doing weighty.
1: it's a lot funner when you drink when you play it's it's such a boring slow game but i had a good i had a good time breaking balls at the table so it was fun <laughs> it's a one-two table everybody gets serious i was like re- <laughs> relax it's one two Got $200 uh, well, of of you got two hundred. Well, for the
0: layperson, what's one two mean?
1: Oh, the blinds are one two. So there's, it's a very small game. People got a couple hundred bucks in front of them. It's not nothing crazy, you know. But but, uh, but isn't
0: that a problem? Because then everybody's in on every hand, or is it not like that?
1: Uh not always. It's just no, it's it's but it's just measly money for the grand scheme of things, especially the poker table. But it's a lot funner when you drink. It's people I used to play against. <laughs> Guy next to me was drinking delirious tremors. Um, and, uh, I had that a long time ago in New York. It's a cool name. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's a white bottle. It's a a weird Belgian beer. And he, he was funny. He owned a company that sold tamales. Um, yeah. So good time. Somebody
0: in Facebook said they're going to be in Vegas next week. I'm supposed to be in Vegas, but you know, my situation, it may or may not happen. Uh, I'll be there on the 12th brother. Potentially. Yeah.
1: People are asking if we're having the event this year. We're not. Um, maybe next year it's a lot of work and just not sure if it was, uh, worth doing this year. It was, takes a lot of ramp up time, but anyhow, probably next year we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, but bring those, bring these leads back to life guys. I mean, shit did it. It's a low hanging fruit. We talk about the low hanging fruit all the time. Go after it. We'll be going after it. We'll be giving you a call. You can bet on that.
0: Yeah. If you're worthy, we're calling you. And if we're not calling you, well, there's your sign.
1: Yeah. I mean, qualifying who you need to talk to. Ours is you got to have five <laughs> groups, 50 employees or more. It's not really worth speaking to you because what are the chances of closing a, a deal? It just goes down dramatically. So evaluate that, set that qualifier with you. It might be number of lives. It may be the contact. Employers are a little trickier. Um, It's a little trickier, right? It's dramatically different the way we're qualifying versus employer but you know figure it out uh and go from there i think uh yeah we we'll wanted there i think you guys got enough go out dig out the old leads if you got folders if you got this you got that wherever the hell they are spend some time go through them and you're gonna see people be like you know what i forgot i need to call that guy we had a good conversation last year so yeah. put a score put a scorecard on them you know and, One, and LinkedIn makes it
0: easy. If you've ever connected with them, right, you can private message them, and it's it's so easy. I just PM'd a guy that I hadn't seen since seventeen, and I dropped the broker's name because he, God, he's he's at like two different places since the time we last met. But I know he knew him, so you know, I dropped his name and said, "Hey, you know, is it time for us to revisit our value prop?" Because uh, we've used our tech in many many organizations since the last time we chatted. And you know what? It's that's private message. I like those.
1: All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Ray Cobra will be in Vegas next week. Give me a buzz. I may or may not be here. I actually have some other clients coming to Vegas next week. But uh do a lot of entertaining out here whenever somebody's uh, out here. Everybody wants I'll to be, come, yeah. Yeah. I, I I get to try new steak spots, so and, you know, we like, well, that's
0: launch. what I'm going there for. So one of my, you know, movies that I helped executive produce, we're doing a, you know, we're doing a launch in Vegas because that's, you know, there's a bunch of people want to come. They want to see.
1: Beautiful. Yeah. Well, let me know. You never even told me so,
0: uh, because I was kind of waiting to see, you yeah. know, my situation. Yeah. here. I got
1: a book. You got a book in advance. You'll never get in out here in Vegas. the good ones. It's, uh, it's packed. It's packed. We'll end it there. Ladies and gentlemen. Go after the low-hanging fruit it's out there uh have a good one we'll see you next week same place same time 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific if you're watching uh, listening on the podcast check us out live every thursday we'll see you on the next one ladies guys take care